Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. Hey everyone and welcome to the What I Wish I Knew podcast by Dental Head Start. Today we're talking about CPD and thinking of CPD in terms of returns on investments. Now we all know that dentists rely on private courses, private seminars and programs to fill all the gaps in their knowledge and in their skill set beyond the bare basics taught in dental school. And these gaps are definitely not small. So if you ask any experienced dentist what it is um, that they do on a daily basis in terms of the um, treatments they perform or the skill sets they rely upon, they will report that the vast majority of these skill sets that they um, use daily in their experience level of practice, they didn't actually learn it in dental school. They were almost exclusively um, learned through private CPD education taken after graduation. So the good news is there's tons and tons of CPD available. Everyone knows that throughout COVID, there was just webinar after webinar oh god it was it was full on but um at least it's become really flexible in terms of the platforms you can learn on so you can learn things in person online you can have interactive workshops um but you know with all of this cpd about most dentists don't have a really um strategic approach to um this this really unique form of self-investment. They have more of like an ad hoc approach. And, you know, we can spend tens of thousands of dollars a year on CPD. And Dr. Cal um, shares with us just a much smarter approach to thinking about CPD, thinking about return on investment and how to maximize every CPD choice over time. Enjoy. Cal, you and I met for the very first time at a course and something about you gave me the feeling that you were a CPD junkie, a course, a dental course junkie. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, over the years I've done so many courses. I'm Every time I get my opera thing where I have to tell them how much CPD I've done, I'm always over. Uh, because one one thing here in Australia is we're lucky. There's a lot of really good teachers, and it's almost painful picking which course to do because there's just so many to do. Yeah, and um, you know, I guess the title of this podcast is like "What I Wish I Knew," and you know, you very wisely thought, "I wish I did more courses or better courses." So I'd love to talk to you about what kind of you're exactly right. There are so many courses to choose from. How do we navigate the world of private education post-graduation and which ones are worth it, which ones are not worth it? What, is it? what are your thoughts? Well, I think now one big thing that's changed since, since we joined, came on the scene is DPR. It's, it's probably one of the biggest resources for people to find courses. There's also some other great groups uh, for new grads, um, you know, like Dental Head Start podcasts and things like this, and they all give you ideas about which courses you can do. So really, I think the main thing that I see people don't plan out, and I made this mistake a lot when I was younger, is I went, oh, 
Uh, I really like that composite course. Let's see how many of my friends I can get to go. Let's all do it together. And we just went off and we do a course and then I go back into practice the week after I do it for a bit. And then I'd slip and we talk to each other a year down the line and half of us would only be doing a few of the things on the course. And I think if I could go back in time, I'd definitely be looking, I'd be planning a lot more of where I wanted to get to and I'd be going backwards from there to pick my courses. Okay, so hypothetically, if you could go back in time and and plan it out in a more sort of um, logical sequence, when you first graduated, what kind of courses would you start with? Right. Uh, I think communication would be my number one course to do. Um, I've trained dentists. I've trained OHTs. I've trained people ranging from complete new grads to students to people five, six, seven years out. And what I see a lot is they, you know, quite often us as dentists, we're very technical people. And there's a lot of dental jargon. There's a lot of pitches being held up. Um, I had one guy who was showing patients pictures of radiographs uh, that weren't their own radiographs. And so the patient was just like, (laughs) why am I looking at these? And I think it's very easy for us with all of our all of our kind of knowledge to just get lost in detail and technical detail and just lose patience. And a part of our job is, I think, to look after patients, but then another part of it is to educate them. So, you know, a lot of people see on social media all these big cases. They'll see great clinicians like David Attia, for example, Lincoln Harris, doing all these wonderful cases, but they don't know how to to explain it and convert it for the patient. And I think that's where the communication really comes into play. Yeah. And and when um, dentists graduate, it's not that you're naturally a bad human communicator. It's just communicating something that you've been trained in for five years. The way you were taught dentistry is different to the way you would have to educate someone else on it, you know, in the, you know, in the future. So, I think um, dentists, uh, and, and myself included, I'm guilty of teaching dent- dentistry to patients the way it was taught to me, which is technically and scientifically. They really don't don't care about it in that sense or they don't make decisions about their clinical care in the same way I would. So it was, I totally agree with you on that one. And you know, it took me a few years to realize that was important. Don't you think that most dentists who graduate just dive deep into really intense clinical courses like grafting and implants too early before they nail the basics? I completely agree. And that's one thing that I've seen repeatedly, actually. And I think it's commendable because, you know, they graduate and they're really keen and they want to learn and they want to learn to do more procedures. And particularly if they're in a practice that's set up to do that, it is something that's exciting. And I think a lot of dentists now, they have social media and they want to show stuff off on social media as well, which is good. I I think it's a good thing. Um, But I think communication is the basis of all that. I don't think you can do, there's no point doing an expensive implant course if you can't convert a patient to get an implant. If you lose them in the first minute, what's the point? 
As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional, and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what dental practitioner support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country. Sometimes people call just at the end of a long day to debrief, but sometimes they call because there's more challenging things going on. Dental practitioner support is there for you in these times to give proactive advice, help you improve your health and well-being before there are major concerns. We all need a helping hand sometimes, and it's okay to ask for help. So if you find you need it, call 1-800-377-700 or visit the website dpsupport.org.au. They have loads of great information to get you started. Okay, so Cal, you reckon if you could map out your CPD um, path over the years from graduation onwards, you would start with a non-clinical subject like communication. What else after that? I think once I'd done communication, I'd then do general restorative or maybe a pros course because, again, you'll see a lot of ortho, you'll see a lot of implants, you'll see a lot of surgicals and things like that. But 90% of your bread and butter dentistry is composites. It's anterior work. It's posterior crown and bridge. That is the bulk of what we do as dentists, unless you're in a specialist practice. So in my mind, it makes sense to work on those things and get good, get good at the basics. Yeah, totally. And what are some of your favorite um, restorative or, or um base, basic dentist, dental courses, like whether it be posterior restorative or... There's, there's a lot more around from kind of when I was doing that level of course now, but certainly I think some of the courses I've seen, uh, like Lincoln Harris's RIPE program looks pretty comprehensive. Um, Tony Rotundo's course uh, also looks really good. Uh, I've heard good feedback about that. And, you know, having seen Tony's work firsthand, uh, the guy's a magician. I don't, I don't know how he does it, but he's very good at what he does. Um and uh, the quite often the universities will run some good courses as well. My only kind of hesitation I'd say with those is a lot of those will be kind of a one-day course, and I'd probably tell the new grads or people kind of recently graduated to stay away from the one-day courses if they can and actually instead do a more long-term course where perhaps they're meeting every month or two, you know, because I feel I get a lot more out of it. And the other thing as well is in kind of in the same way you and I met, um, you get to know people and you get to know them online and you forge friendships for life. Yeah, um, I, think, I think you also already have a common interest. I think we met on Chris Barrow's um, business and communications course. So hopefully you'll share some thoughts about that a little bit later. So communication, basic restorative. Now we want to, you're going to ramp up, right? What kind of courses uh, would you recommend for um, dentists? Um, I think if you've done general restorative and you've got that down pat, um, you t- I tend to find people split here. They go one of two ways as the next add-on. There's only two real ways I see people going. One is they love ortho and there's a lot of kids in the practice and they'll want to do orthodontics. So Kate, you know, I did Derek Mahoney's uh, EODO course. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It was such a good course uh, and the resources were great. And it was again, really good networking. Um, 
you know, there's there's other Invisalign courses as well. And then you find there's people who just cannot stand ortho and they cannot stand kids. And they will tend to go more for implants and surgicals and that sort of thing. And so I tend to find people don't tend to do both at the same time. So I would pick one. And the way I always say, and I'm sure you found this as well, is that I don't think it's good just to do one single course. I think whatever it is that you really enjoy, you actually need to do three courses in that one subject. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, especially in ortho where there is so much, um, there's so much, I guess, without a controversy with approaches or philosophies, like you really should expose yourself to them rather than, you know, be a militant advocate of one or another. You need to have a really broad, broad perspective. Um, and, yeah, the deep dive is really, really important. I love practical CPT courses because, you know what, I actually, sorry, I should reframe that. I hate reading articles. I just hate it. It's so boring. I can't get through one. I feel so bad as a dentist saying that, but I'm not going to read a paper or a study on a particular subject. I want the practical piece of advice or information on it. And I find that course presenters just tell us this research means that we should, this is the best practice for you know, this particular treatment that we're doing. So that's why I love CPD. Um, this might be a funny question about CPD, but I've been asked this a few times from young grads, recent grads, is how much should a dentist budget for CPD? Wow, that's a very, very good question. <laughs> I think that's, that's actually quite a tough question because it depends on their exact circumstances and their lifestyle. But how I work is I have pots, I have separate accounts and I put money into those pots. And, you know, if you really want to get good at something, really, I think as a minimum, you should be spending at least five grand a year on your CPD to at the minimum to get a good course. I think realistically, if you're doing more of a long-term course, if you're relatively newly grad and you can afford to, you're probably going to be 20 to 25K. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree. There is a um, – and, and, sorry, I'll ask you this question. And if you are spending on the higher end, say, twenty five to 30K a year on CPD, how can you make your, that investment as worthwhile as possible? This is That's a really good question. And this is actually one of the things that I would add to is when you're planning courses out is looking at the return on investment. Because I think a lot of people don't look at this. So they'll be in a practice um, that, for example, doesn't have any kids, but then they might do a kids ortho course, in which case you're not going to earn your money back because uh, you need to always be thinking, you know, does this course fit in with the practice or practices that I work at? Because what people don't factor in as well is you've got to take time off for these courses. And so that's indirectly costing you money and adding to the fees and then if you've got to travel to Sydney, Melbourne, you know, back in the days when you could travel, <laughs> that also adds to the pot. So I think that's something people really need to look at. Um, I mean, what? how do you feel that's a good ROI course for you? What's worked for you? Well, I, I mean, I'm going to go op the opposite of that and talk about something that was a terrible ROI for me. But, I'm, but I don't regret doing it is I did a course on uh, Botox. Um, I want to say like five, six, seven years ago. And I tried it once or twice and I it just, I didn't like it. Something about it really made me nervous. I think there's this risk that you can have a, 
your eye can you go blind or something. It was something that frightened me so much that every time I had a patient that needed Botox, I would have a disproportionate level of stress to other procedures. So I just stopped doing it. And there are other guys in my practice that really enjoy doing it and do it with confidence. And they've accrued that experience. So I think it cost me about five or six grand back then to to do that course. And, and I never sort of um, did it. So sometimes you need to expose yourself to see if it's for you or not. But um, I absolutely love the course um, that I met you on, which is Chris Barrow's course. By the way, that's the second time I've done that exact same course. And funnily enough, I got more out of it the second time than I did the first time because I don't know if you've ever done a course more than once, the exact same course. I've done Mark Hassard's three times and I feel like it just makes you engage with the content and put it into practice um, with even more uh, purpose and intent than the first time you get exposed to the idea then it like really makes sense and you believe in it more or, or whatever it might be but I think it's like the single easiest way to unlock um, more case acceptance confidence when your patients can sense the level of confidence you have right and the more education you're exposed to the more you I guess subconsciously believe in yourself and that just shows through in your communication later on so I think maxing out your CPD beyond the minimum requirements is the best way to get grow your confidence grow your earning capacity as quickly as possible It's that time of year again. Before June 30, we have to renew our indemnity insurance. And when I look for an insurer, I'm looking for someone who's going to be there when I need their help. They're going to act fast and they're going to be by my side so I can practice with confidence. I get all of that from Dental Protection Limited. What I love about them is that they're more than just an insurer. They're actually here to help us, to give us content and support us with medical legal situations and most importantly, help us avoid these situations. The content they produce is the best content out there from an insurer like them. Renewal notices are out in May. To make sure you get all of these added benefits, sign up by June 30. I can say from personal experience, when you need help, you'll be glad you're with Dental Protection Limited. Thank you, Dental Protection Limited, for supporting me in my career and the Dental Head Start podcast. tips on what to avoid oh i would say the best thing is probably do your research and i would actually go as far as to say to ask anyone who's putting on a course to say can is there any ex-students that you can be put in touch with because i think with dpr for example sometimes there are people commenting on stuff and i think uh you know sometimes there are political things going on that people don't know about so People may say it's a good course and it's not and that sort of thing because DPR is quite political. Um, but I would actually see if you can one-on-one pin past students down and actually ask them directly or even better, if you can actually go and watch them when they're doing practicing a procedure that you're going to learn on the course and see whether it's right for you. Because as you said, like with the Botox, if you'd gone to watch someone doing the Botox, do you think it would have helped? Uh, I think so. I would have probably realized it, it wasn't for me or there is just so there are so many other people that can do it competently I didn't need to do it because you, you can already spread yourself pretty thin um you can't be a you you can be a jack of all trades but you can only master so many um and it was just one thing that I 
I wasn't interested in in doing the deep dive. And if you're not interested in doing the deep dive, someone else can do it. There's plenty of work out there. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel, you know. And so that's why I said, you know, if you you tend to pick whatever it is you enjoy and then just do multiple courses on it. Because I find, you know, I'm sure you've seen it with your implants, for example, and your ortho, you tend to refine it over time as to what you do and don't like and what you're good at. Yeah, absolutely. If you're picking your course, um, take a long, hard look at your own practice. Have a look at what support they're going to give you. So, for example, if you're doing implants, do you have to buy your own equipment? Um, How is it going to work with regards to payments? What's going to happen if you need a second nurse? Is one going to be available? Um, If you move practice, what's going to happen with the cases? Um, because certainly for an orthodontic course, for example, if you are thinking of moving practices, you wouldn't want to start an orthodontic course because you will be tied into that practice for two years and you will not be able to move. And you still may be going back into that practice to finish off cases. And leaving a practice is kind of like ending a relationship, I think, with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It can it can end quite nicely or it can end really, really badly. So. I do recommend you have a long, hard think about these nitty-gritty details, what marketing they're going to do for you, what are they going to do to help you do what you've trained in. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because ultimately there are practice factors that determine whether that's going to be a a good return on investment that are out of your control. Um, Yeah, that's that's really wise words there. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.